Good morning. Well, we're back in 1 John. So you can go ahead and uh, take your Bibles if you have them or open up your phones and use the YouVersion app or Bible Gateway or, or whatever you have and go to 1 John chapter 2 and we'll be in verse 3. And what we're going to see all throughout 1 John is really St. John teaching us how to honestly walk with Jesus and with one another. Um, John, the apostle of the Lord, an apostle of the Lord Jesus, an eyewitness to the life and ministry of Jesus, and an eyewitness to his death and resurrection. He is teaching us how to follow Jesus. That's, that's pretty awesome. I, I think that's pretty amazing that we're getting to learn. If you think about it, yes, it's the Bible, and, and, but remember who wrote this? an eyewitness, a first-hand follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching you and me centuries later how to follow Jesus. I love that. So let's see what John tells us, beginning in verse three of 1 John chapter two. John writes, this is how we know that we know him. If we keep his commands, the one who says, I have come to know him, and yet doesn't keep his commands as a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God has been made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. This is God's word. I've been watching on TV, probably like many of you, I've been watching The Last Dance, a 10-part documentary of the Jordan-era Chicago Bulls. Um, and it's, it's been really interesting, been a lot of fun. You, you watch this thing and you learn all kinds of stuff about the players, all kinds of stuff behind the scenes about the team and their history and their tensions and the battles and why things happened the way they did. Uh, I've learned more about Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis the Worm Rodman um, than I have before. And my wife and I, and even our kids were having conversations about this team and me sharing memories of, of watching Jordan and being so frustrated with him, but being just in awe of his skill. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. But listen, do I know Michael Jordan? Not, not even close. Do I have any kind of friendship or connection or relationship or communication with him? Not at all, but, but it feels like we do. It feels that way with a lot of our celebrities uh, that we see, our athletes, movie stars, reality TV people, musicians. We feel like we know them. We watch them on screen. We watch them play. We watch them compete. We watch them win. We watch them lose. We watch them act. We watch them grow up. We watch them have kids. We, all these things. We, we feel like we know these people, but we don't actually know them. We only know about them. And sadly, I, I think a lot of people, especially in our area, this is how a lot of people are with Jesus. You know his stats, you know his accolades, he's Jewish, his teacher, he's crucified, he rose again. But do you know him and not just know about him? This is why John is writing to us today that we would not just know stuff about Jesus, but that we would actually know him and that we would know that we know him. Knowing that you know Jesus is what today's passage is giving us. 
and, and knowing him in a, in a real-time, real-life connection with Jesus, that, that you've been saved by him, you've been forgiven by him, you've, you, you know you're loved by him, and then you're known and accepted through him, you talk to him, you're, you're motivated by him, and have fellowship with him. Not just knowing stuff about him, but knowing him. And this kind of language of knowing God, that kind of, just that phrase on knowing God. In, in the first century in the Greco-Roman world, that phrase would have stood out like crazy. This, this knowing God talk in the Greco-Roman world just really wasn't a thing. The, the people that went and worshiped Zeus, they did not talk about knowing Zeus and being connected to Zeus and having fellowship with Zeus and being a friend with Zeus. That, that's just unheard of. But the true and living God, it's different. Well, because he's living, he's real, he's personal. And because the son of God, Jesus Christ, invites us into life with him and with the father and with the Holy Spirit. And he, John, he wants us to know that we know him. I wonder if that's ever plagued you. It's, it's plagued me before. Do I really know do I really know Christ? Am I, am I really a Christian? Can I be sure? Is it always kind of this razor's edge of, am I really saved? Am I not? So how can we know that we know Jesus? John addresses this today because maybe even teachers in Ephesus are, are leading some of these Christians away in this church that he's writing to that if you don't follow this, you don't really know Jesus. Trying to woo them over to their side. And John steps in and says, I'm gonna tell you three ways that you really do know, that you can know, that you know, that you know him. So how do we know that we know Jesus? Here's the first one. You keep Christ's commands. You keep Christ's commands. Look at what John says in verse three. Look at what he says. This is how we know that we know him. Point, point blank, clear. If we keep his commands. Crystal clear from John. If you know Jesus, you follow Jesus. You keep his commands. Not your version of his commands. Not your version of Jesus, but the real Jesus. John would say, you want to know if you know him? Do you obey him? Do you follow him? If you know Jesus as Lord, you will follow him as Lord. If you know Jesus as your savior, you will then live like you have a savior in Jesus. This really is an irreducible reality of Christianity. That if you know Jesus, you listen to Jesus. And hear me, this isn't legalistic. This isn't all about behavior and just following the raw biblical data. That, that's not what this is. And for a second, I want us to get this clear and not get it twisted. The order of this um, really, really matters. If you look in your Bible in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, you're going to see how the order matters here. Look, look at how it flows. He says, this is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. Look at how it flows. If you know him, we keep his commands. Look at how it doesn't flow. Look at how it doesn't flow. You keep his commands and then you know him. 
That's how a lot of people think they have to approach God. We gotta keep his commands and then we'll come to know him. It's the other way around. If we know him and evidence of knowing him, we keep his commands. This is how grace flows. This, this is Christianity, being known by God, knowing God, and then keeping his commands. This is so obvious in, in every other relationship. If you know the person, you, you fall in line with that person. If you know the person, their loves, their likes, then you, 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 you do those. For example, I mean, in your closest relationships, your, your best relationships, you don't actively seek to go against their likes and dislikes and think they don't matter. My wife, Natalie, she really doesn't like black coffee. She, I mean, she'll go to Starbucks, get a, get a drink, something like that with milk and sugar and, and stuff like that, but not black coffee. I love it. Uh, not Folgers. I'm talking single origin espresso beans. I, I love those light roasted with a slow pour over brewing method. I love it. So if Natalie asks if I, for me to make her a cup of hot tea while she's working in the, in the bedroom doing some, some work, and I say, oh, sure, sure. And I, I, know it's, I know she doesn't like coffee. I know she prefers the black tea. That's what she likes. But I go and I go, you know what? I'm making her a cup of Ethiopian single origin. That's what she's getting. And I bring her that cup of Ethiopian coffee. I didn't love her. I mean, I'm even acting like I don't really know her. I know she doesn't like it. I know what she's asked for. That would be unloving. But since I do know her, I bring her the tea. And listen, our God, if you know him, you would know he doesn't want us to sin. He wants us to obey his commands. And, and if we do know him, we'll seek to do them and actually do them. And these commands aren't just the Ten Commandments. And it's not just the Sermon on the Mount. There are a few things here and there. It's the entire revealed testimony and the will of God found all throughout this book to follow the way of Christ. Because now we live with Christ. We live under Christ. We live united to Christ. And Jesus kept all of this for us, now empowering us to live it through him and for him. And John's gonna help us see later in 1 John 3, we're gonna see it, but I'll give you a preview now of what is the command. What, what is the command of God? Well, look. He says in 1 John 3, 23, now this is the command. That's really clear. Now this is his command that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ and love one another as he commanded us. See those two things? The first one, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ and that we love one another. That's Christianity. This is where we begin, where we start with God, believing that Jesus is the savior of sinners, that he really did die, he really did rise for us. And then we are learning how to love one another. This is where we start with God and this is where we live forever with God. And a lot of you, maybe you need to begin here today in believing in his son. And then we learn how to love one another as Christ will teach us and help us. And those of us that are Christians, listen, this is what makes the vital connection of the rest of these commands followable. 
that we believe in Christ and then everything flows out of that like loving one another. And we see this in verse four. Look at verse four. The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. Anyone can say anything, right? That, that's what he says. Anyone, anyone can say, oh, I've come to know him. Oh, I'm, I'm a Christian. But John says, okay, well, why don't we do a little follow-up? Do you keep, do you keep his commands? Do you follow Jesus' teachings? Do you obey him? Listen, I, I could say I'm a vegan, but if we went out to eat, now that restaurants are opening back up and we got a spot at Tejas Chocolate and Barbecue, and I've been telling you how I'm a vegan. I've been, t- I've been, I've been telling others how I'm a vegan. I, I share pictures on my Facebook with inspirational vegan quotes with a bundle of carrots on a hill at sunset. But when it's time to order and I say, give me a, give me a quarter pound of brisket, heavy bark, uh, give me a quarter pound of turkey, um, give, me a, give me two Chilorino sausage links, you'd look at me and say, whoa, I, I thought you were a vegan. Are you, you chunking all that stuff out the window? You, you, you're leaving your veganism, veganism behind? And what if I said back, hey, look, you can't judge me. Who are you to judge me? Yeah, I'm a vegan, but I eat meat on every day that ends with why. Who are you to say I'm not a vegan? Uh, like everybody all the vegans, all the vegan cookbooks, all, all the stuff would say, I'm really not a vegan. What am I? I'm a liar. I'm a liar. This is why Jesus says, and John heard Jesus say this in Luke chapter six, verse 46. Why, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say? Now, maybe, maybe you're hearing all of this and your, your palms are getting a little sweaty. And you're, you kind of, you've adjusted your spot a few times in, in your house, in your chair, on your couch. And you're thinking and wondering, I just did this sin. I, I just didn't keep this command how could I have done that and be a Christian? I thought if I knew him, I'd keep his commands. How, maybe I'm not a Christian. How, how, how could I do these things? Um, and I, I, oh, what's wrong with me? Listen, if that's you, if you're feeling that discomfort, hear me. Lean into what is happening into your heart. Don't ignore it. Don't run away from it. That's where your life change can accelerate. God is meeting you right there. The Holy Spirit is pointing something out that needs to be confronted, that needs to be confessed and repented of and turned away from. Don't stuff it down just by saying, I'm a Christian, I know I am. Do you? How do you know? This is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. If your soul is bothered right now, 
if it's uneasy, throw up. You heard me. If your soul is bothered and uneasy, throw up. You know that feeling when you're sick and you need to throw up, but you're, you're holding it back and you don't want to throw up. But as soon as you do throw up, you feel so much better. It's out. Throw up. Confess your sins to the Lord. As we saw last week in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. So throw up. When we sin, when we, when we don't keep his commands, the way to recover is by believing Jesus, believing that you're forgiven, and to keep another command, confess it. Confess it and move on. Guys, grace, God's grace is Tums for a troubled spirit. So what are you not keeping that the spirit has brought to mind? Confess it. And no, you don't have to beat yourself up about it. You don't have to, you know, wear, wear all black and, and wear a hood over your head and put a bell around your neck and, and just say over and over again how sorry you are and, and go on for weeks or, or whatever the case may be. Be grievous, be grieved over your sin for sure. But I love this counsel from Dane Ortland. When Dane said, he put this on Twitter, when you find yourself asking God multiple times to forgive a single sin, you're rejecting the gospel and dishonoring Christ. You're thinking your repeated contrition strengthens your forgiven status. It's works righteousness. Confess once, then cheer up and move on. That's how we confess. Confessing over and over, trying to convince God, God, I'm really sorry, I really am. I really am a Christian God. You see, God doesn't need that. We don't need that. We confess, Lord, I've sinned and I've sinned against you and whoever else is involved, if it's a sin involving multiple people, I've sinned against them and I believe I'm forgiven and I believe I'm gonna walk a new life with Christ. I wanna keep his commands. And the second way you can know, look at, look at what the Bible says, you'll now live from God's love. You'll keep his commands and now you'll live from God's love. You see this in verse five. Look at what John says, verse five. But whoever keeps his word, same as keeping his commands, same, same thing. Truly in him, the love of God is made complete. So you see what keeping the commands of Christ is all about? It's not legalism. What is it? It's all about love. The love of God. It's about God's love flipping us around and redirecting our hearts. This is what God's love does. How did you come to begin to love to read this book? No one is born loving to read this book. No one is born loving to, to meet with other Christians and talk about their souls and talk about where they're falling short and, and encourage one another and, and sing to someone they cannot see. How did all these things come about in us? Because the love of God invaded our lives and redirected them. As he says later in 1 John, 
God's love was revealed among us in this way. What is God's love? This is it. God sent his one and only son into the world so we might live through him. So God's love found in that gospel story of of Jesus coming to this world, leaving heaven, the eternal son of God, And now Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, taking our sins, dying in our place, suffering for us, rising from the dead. This is all showing God's love and Jesus showing us what it looks like to to follow God and to keep God's word. And now look, now when, when we know the love of God, look at what it does. So God sent his one and only son into the world. Why? So that we would be forgiven, of course. So we could have our shame removed? Absolutely. So we could have um, eternity with God? Yes. But look at what John wants to highlight. So that we might live through him. It's for today. It's for right now. We keep his own commands by his own power. You see that? that we might live through him. The way that we keep the commands of Christ and the the ways of Christ isn't in our own strength, isn't in our own power, but through him. This is a beautiful display of the power of the Christian life. It's not us, but it's him. It's Jesus and his spirit at work in us. And we will keep his word because we know him and we know that we are in him. And we know that he is alive in us. This is what God's love is meant to do. You see it again in John 5, look at verse five. Look at what he says. Whoever keeps his word, look, truly in him, the love of God. So something about the love of God, what is it doing? Is made complete. What does that mean? Your, Your translation, if you have another Bible, it might say perfect. The Greek word here carries the idea of It's doing its job. It reached its design specifications. When you keep Christ's commands, the love of God is doing its job in your soul. When you follow Christ, when you turn from sin, you wanna walk with Jesus, it is the love of God at work in your heart. The love of God is at work in us and it's it's affecting us. God's love is doing exactly what it's designed to do in us to make us new, to change us. And when you know it, it changes you. That's the target of God's love, changing us stumbling sinners into upright, walking forward followers of Jesus. And what John is saying with this verse is really kind of a riff, a a jazz riff on something Jesus said in the gospel of John. Something John heard Jesus say. And it's in John 14, 15, John just kind of builds off of it, kind of improv, bass riff on it. And he, he writes, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep my commands. The same thing. John had said, if we know him, we'll keep his commands. And the way that Jesus said it, if you love me, because this loving and knowing is the same thing. It's the same thing. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Pretty straightforward from Jesus, isn't it? 
How do we know that we know him, that we love him now? It's not just an emotional response. It's not just going, oh, I remember the emotions I had back then when I first heard about Jesus. It's, it's, not, if, it's not about this crisis prayer we had at some point in our lives. Jesus and John both say, you, you will keep, you will keep. Present, reality, active, wanting to keep his commands, actually striving to keep his commands. And so listen, this is what we're seeing from John about Christianity. That Christianity is more than just trying to get people to convert to Jesus. Make a decision, join the team, pray a prayer, sign the card, attend the church. That, that, that's, that's not Christianity's goal. It's about following Jesus, being his disciple, knowing him, keeping his commands, being an apprentice of Jesus every day, loving Jesus, loving him. If you love me, that's our goal, loving Jesus every day. And listen, I, I don't think you'll disagree with, with what I'm about to say. Love changes what you love. Love changes what you love. For, for, for example, our family, we are now a soccer family. I would have never thought that. I, I never watched a single game of soccer growing up. Uh, I didn't like soccer, didn't play soccer. Um, it just wasn't my sport at all. Until our oldest Ivy, our daughter, got into soccer. And now Oliver is into soccer. And now we love it. Nally didn't like soccer growing up either. I thought it was boring, but now I love it. It's my second favorite sport after basketball. Now, watching my kids play, of course, is my first favorite sport. But after that, I mean, it's basketball and then soccer. Why? Why did my tastes, why did my attention, why did my affection, why did my desires change? Because my love for my children, my love for my children changed my love for soccer. See, beloved, when, when you love God, when you know him, the things he loves start to become your loves. The things that God likes start to become the things that you like. They, they grow on you. His loves grow on you and they change you. They become your loves. When you love God, his loves become your loves too. That's what he's gonna tell us in, in verse five. Listen, this is how we, John wraps up this whole part now with, this is how we know that we are in him. He's gonna launch into this other part, but listen, who is this knowing for? This, this is how we know we are in him. I think this is really important. Who is this knowing for? Or we could say it this way. Is, is our keeping his commands, is our obeying, is our following the commands of Christ, is it to show him that we know him? No, not, not at all. It's, it's not for him, it's for us. It's for others. Look, this is how we know. How we know, it's, it's about us. God knows your heart. Jesus knows your soul. The Holy Spirit knows the state of your life. 
But see, sometimes we think, okay, we got to obey. Um, we got to turn from lust. We got to keep these commands. We got to repent from anger. We got to sacrifice. We got to serve someone else. We got to do good works. I got to go on this mission trip. I have to pray so I can prove to God, see, I'm a Christian God. I, I really am. Look at all this stuff I, I, I did. See, I re I'm really saved. Wrong, wrong, wrong. This is how we know that we know him. It's for our peace, our comfort, our assurance, our joy that we know him. And if we know him, we will keep his commands and we will want to love and we will want to live like Jesus. This is how the third and final way that from the passage that we know that we know him. We'll keep his commands and then we're, we're gonna want to what? We're gonna want to now imitate him. You imitate Jesus. You imitate Jesus. Verse six, this is how we, five and six, this is how we know we are in him. And he gives the answer. The one who says he remains in him, who lives with Christ, abides with Christ, should walk just as he walked. Should walk just as he walked. Imitation. Again, if you grew up in the 90s uh, or you watched basketball in the 90s like I did, Jordan and the Bulls, you heard all the time, I wanna be like Mike. You just wanted to be like Mike, imitate Michael Jordan, kids, little white kids, half Mexican kids like me all over the suburbs, sticking out their tongue, dunking on a five-foot goal, wanting to be like Mike. Kobe did it. LeBron does it. And now today, if you go out to the basketball court, you see kids playing basketball, they're chunking threes like Steph Curry. They're doing step backs like James Harden. I don't even know if they know how to do layups, but they're, but they're taking all those shots. And just after watching a few MJ highlights the other night, Oliver was jumping around the living room doing 360 fake layups there in front of the TV. Imitation. And if sports doesn't click with you, you're like, oh, why is he doing a sports analogy? I don't know sports. Okay, maybe this will, you'll put, you might be on the other side of the spectrum here. This, this might help you. Joanna Gaines, Farmhouse, Shiplap, Hearth and Home. <laughs> there are Gaines disciples all over the place. I had never heard of Shiplap until the last couple of years. Now it's everywhere and it's cool, it's great. And if you are a disciple of hers, what? You decorate as she decorates. John tells us Christians should walk and, and don't ignore should. We should walk just as he walked, living just like Jesus lives. So let me encourage you, as we begin to close, let me encourage you with this. I wanna encourage you to know the life of Jesus, to really know the life of Jesus. Realize this that the four gospels that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are longer than a page each. They have a lot more information in them than Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. And while his death and resurrection are the apex of each of those books, where they are trending and where they firework display, that is not the only thing in those books. And you need to know how Jesus walked if you're gonna call yourself a disciple of Christ. This really convicted me early in college because I knew a lot 
about doctrine. I knew a lot about different theology and who had argue different things in different books of the Bible, but I don't think I had ever read a gospel in its entirety. I knew different verses, ones I could argue, ones I could pull out and, and prove my point, but I don't think I had ever sat down and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, any one of them in their entirety, beginning to end, knowing the whole story. Have you ever done that? Have you ever read a gospel cover to cover? We must, if we're gonna walk as Jesus walked, then we, didn't, we need to know how he responded to people when he was mistreated, how he loved in difficult situations, how he served others, how he reasoned and dialogued with other people, how he thinks, how he prayed for us, how he prayed to our father, how he worshiped, how he treated other people. Do you know these things? I mean, Christians, we should walk as he walked. So we need to know these things. And I, and I just want to encourage us to have a, a crystal form imagination, to have a Christ-shaped imagination. This is the old WWJD. What would Jesus do? It's kind of, I know it can be seen kind of corny and kind of cheesy, but it's, how did he walk? What did he do? We need a Christ-shaped imagination that when we enter into situations that I don't know what to do, that we can have a, a theologically informed, Christ-centered imagination. And Lord, what would you do here? Lord, what did you do in a situation like this? Oh, I know. I can remember from Mark chapter three. Oh, I know. I can remember in, in Matthew 12. Oh, I know. In Proverbs, since Jesus is our wisdom, this is what the Proverbs say thinking and exploring by faith how to walk in the Jesus way. Guys, Jesus is ready to empower us to live through him. Here's how we know that we know him. We keep his commands and we walk as he walked. We walk as he walked. Don't settle for knowing stats about Jesus. This isn't some documentary that you're reading. This is your life. So know your Lord, know his heart, know his commands and walk with Christ. Let's pray together. King Jesus, would you, would you help us? We want to keep your commands. So help us to do them. And we know that you, you promise that you will. You will command us as, as our brother Augustine said, you will command us and you will give us what you command. So Lord, give us, give us your power. Give us a greater awareness of your love that it would be made complete in us, that, it would, that we would live from your love that would so be at work in us, causing us to turn from sin, causing us to, to pursue the good and to pursue what is just and what is right, to, to serve and to love and to be patient, that your love would cause all these things to be at work in us. And Lord, anyone that's feeling a, a conviction, um, would you squeeze, would you put, would you press on that and that they would confess their sins, 
and know they're forgiven it and walk uprightly with you now. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. How happy is the one whose sin is not counted against them. So thank you, King Jesus. And we love you and we praise you. And it's in your mighty name that we pray, Lord. Amen.